Here we are back on the Misha All Access podcast. Much of our executive staff has been out of the office for a few weeks as we are in our summer mode and had attended the national summer meeting with the NFHS. And we're back and we are bringing our reflections back to the spring. We have wrapped up some of our activities, but we are now going to wrap up our sports. So we're going to talk boys tennis. And joining me today, Kenny Seifert, who was the administrator in charge of boys tennis, and Jason West, our communications director, and James Melton, the new administrator in charge of boys tennis. I can say he is the boys tennis administrator in charge now because we are past July 1st. He is now officially on the payroll, and I want to welcome all you gentlemen. Good to be here. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so our boys tennis championships, tennis, girls, and boys are a two-weekend affair. We do our individual singles and doubles the first weekend, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, for three classes, and our team championships are the following weekend. So we were May 18th, 19th, and 20th for individual singles and doubles, and May 26th and 27th. Both of those weekends happen to be on top of our track and field championships. So I am speaking very much. I was there one day, the first day of individual singles and doubles, which happens to be the day with absolutely no trophies or medals handed out because it's all preliminary tournament for, at that time, it was class two and three boys tennis. So I'm going to be asking a lot of questions as I was at track and field for the rest of the time. And we're going to start with team, I think. Kenny, you want to talk us through classes one, two, and three. Let's just talk about results as far as the teams and then anything from those team championships, maybe you know, close duels in the finals or, or semis, things that our listeners might be interested in. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is how neat it is when you go to the championships and sometimes you're fortunate. This year we were very fortunate in that we had great weather. So tennis players love to play outside if the weather is conducive to that, and it definitely was. So that makes the weekend so much more enjoyable for the players, the coaches, the parents, and the fans that come and watch. So it was a great weekend. We did have good weather. We had a a lot of competitive matches. Class 1, our state champ, came from Clayton High School. In fact, they rolled through the championships pretty good, but their championship match with Bolivar was a very, very competitive match. Class 2 state champ was Ledoux. I think that's their second or third straight year for the boys' uh, Class 2 state championships, and they're really, really salty and solid. They kind of rolled through their championship match against Tolias. And then our Class 3 state champ, which is another good match, was Pembroke Hill. That's their second straight state championship, and they beat John Burroughs in the championship match. Both of those schools really long, strong tennis histories, in, and really Ledoux, Horton, Watkins as well, and Clayton. Really strong tennis schools. Yeah, Pembroke Hill and John Burroughs, uh, even if you go back through the years when we just had two classes, they traditionally have been so strong. Their players, one through six, are just so solid. And, and that's a lot where team tennis championships come into play. It's not always who has the best one or two players. It's who has the best four, five, and six players. And when you have that depth, uh, that's what separates those programs from others. We kind of hit on historied programs that made it in the top two, Pembroke Hill, John Burroughs, Ledoux, Horton, Watkins. But really the story of this year's boys' tennis championships team-wise is who wasn't there. We had several, several perennial powers who just weren't there. I'm not even going to name them, but I just want everyone to know, if you look at the top four, classes one through three, it was really a celebration of, hey, We've got some different schools here, and go ahead and talk a little bit about that. I think that's been the beauty of when three years ago, two years ago, three years ago, time slips past me, but when we went to three classes, 
the very first year, the thing that we noticed was in class one, we're seeing teams that traditionally had not had opportunities to get to the final four of the state championships. So that's been very, very encouraging for many of our schools across the state in that they now see an opportunity to at least kind of crack through the process and have an opportunity to be represented at the state championships. And so that's the first thing that we noticed in class one. And then through that process, some of our typically class one schools, we went to the uh, the championship factor, those schools, the, the John Burroughs and the Pembroke Hills, along with many others, they're now up in class three. So we're kind of seeing a little bit of the same sprinkle in in class two. Schools that were traditionally were not having an opportunity to get there are now getting there, and that's made it a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take away from a Barstow. A Barstow, it comes every not maybe every year but barstow is often a qualifier barstow coming up third in class two notre dame out of cape Girardeau finishing up class two then you get in your class one you got savannah out of northwest missouri and then duchenne finishing out class one marquette also a very strong public school in tennis boys and girls tennis and central out of springfield as well so it's not that they haven't come in the past but there were some names we didn't see this year in the team championship jason do you have anything to add as far as the team championship that might be interesting to those who are listening well kind of building off what kenny was just talking about and being able to have some of those teams that have been on the cusp of making it to the final four and then when we've added the third class clayton is a perfect example of that first year they were finally able to make it they finished fourth the next year they finished third and then this year they were able to win their first title so we've seen that like like we've said with a lot of different things savannah was another one that has had a singles player or a couple of good doubles teams that have made it on the individual side they've put it all together this year and made it to the final four so having that other class and seeing new faces and new teams there we've been able to see that a lot over the last three years james i'm going to ask you this is your first high school tennis boys tennis for sure opportunity and i want to use this to kind of transition from the team competition to the individual singles and doubles you were there for both weekends start to finish Can you talk a little bit about the difference in the experience of the two weekends? I think for me, as I reflect on it just a bit, it's the speed and pace at which the individual's tournament moves. There is a lot of people. There are a lot of players. There are a lot of coaches. And that first day, we are just rocking and rolling from the top, from the very minute of handing out. That was what I was doing. I was greeting people and handing out balls all day long, (laughs) popping top, handing out balls. And it just felt nonstop. It was rolling all day long. And then day two is even more of that. It's because we're adding in another class and we are, we're moving through all of that. And then we also have our first round of awards and ceremonies and, and honoring all these kids that have competed so hard. Coming into the team championship, it's equally energetic and there is equal competitiveness and just camaraderie, but it is a, a little slower pace and time to actually enjoy the competition. So I actually got to go out and watch some tennis and see some awesome play and learn a little bit about what these guys are up against and excited for what the women will be up against in the fall. But for that first weekend, just keeping up was the the name of the game, (laughs) was the name of the game. The order is probably good for someone who's trying to learn. You you have kind of the labor intensive weekend first, individual singles and doubles. So individual singles and doubles, three classes. We have six tournaments going on, 16 qualifier tournaments going on with a consolation bracket. What that means is there's a lot to keep track of. 
as we talked about in the preview, the players are keeping their own score. They are reporting their scores. Mm -hmm. We have a centralized location where we keep visual brackets. We're updating the visual brackets first. They're hanging on a window outside. We update those first, and then we're going to update the website so those watching at home can find out you know, who wins in every level. But we start, <laughs> we start with two individuals tournaments and two doubles tournaments right off the bat. Right. So when a player comes up to report their score, you have to figure out which class they are, and then are they doubles or singles? And where is that bracket? And where might they be on that bracket? Right. There are eight games I have to keep track of. So we've got three people up there to do it. But it was it's a lot. It is a lot. And so on that bracket, the first thing you want to identify is, is who won. Because not only do you carry the winner out, but since we have a consolation side, you got to make sure that you carry the loser of that match down to the appropriate spot on the bottom part of the consolation bracket. So that's the first thing we have to do. The second thing we have to do is we have to get the score right. Well, traditionally, of the two players, which typically would be the player that would report first? It's usually going to be the winning player because they're more excited and, and you know they're not going through as many of the negative emotions. So winning players have a tendency to run up to the reporting desk. And losing players have a tendency to meander up to them. But you don't always get the right score. I mean, these kids are going through a lot and they're playing a lot of matches in one day. So for the most part, we're pretty accurate, but there are times that later during the course of the day, either one of the players or a coach or maybe a parent will see the score on the website or maybe up on the visual bracket that we have at the facility, and they will say that's not correct. So then we have to go through a correction process to get the scores right. But it is a lot of moving parts because while that is going on, uh, whether it be Jeannie Chavez, myself, or James, we may receive a radio call of a particular court we need to get to because maybe there's something going on in that court that needs some rule interpretation. So while scores are coming in and we're sending matches out, we may have to tend to a particular court where something's going on. And it is a very fast-paced, as James mentioned, an incredibly fast-paced day. But how much fun is it, James? I mean, it is. The kids' eyes are lit up. They're excited. All those emotions that you experience are pretty cool. It was great. And I think what was fun for me was like getting to know Jeannie, who's the head official, who who's just somebody that I, I'm I'm really looking forward to working with in the fall. That fast pace, I was learning as I went and wasn't writing up any scores, but taking scores. And Jeannie gave me a crash course on what I needed to know. And I kept reversing everything. And her only ask of me was, please don't let me have to use any whiteout. <laughs> we, we, we made it, I think, to round two before we had to do it once. Yeah. Whiteout is inevitable. <laughs> and, and the phrase, not before. Not, not before. before. Not yes. before. No. Not before. So... We also have to, when a score gets reported, and you have a winner, and you have a loser, and you've got to record that on our brackets, you then have to determine when they're going to play next, because this has got to keep going, and where are they going to play next. Now, you may not know where right away, uh, because I think, correct me, Kenny, for the first time in in a long time, we had access to every single outdoor court at Cooper Tennis Center. And several indoor courts to get things started because that individual singles and doubles day, the very beginning, we have a lot of games to get in. So we had access to a number of courts, which was awesome for getting a tournament in. It makes the assignment of courts for a little bit interesting. And we try to cluster them at the beginning. And then right. after that, it's Katie yeah. bar the door. First come, first serve. That's right. I, yeah. I'm still unsure of what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there is a required allowance a time allowance from the end of your match to the beginning of the next match now 
if both competitors want to start earlier, they may. But that required allowance must be set at the end of the last match of the two, not before. If James comes in and says, I win, and we look at the time and say, well, you can play in an hour, that's 1 o'clock, then we put not before 1 o'clock. Well, then James is going to play Kenny. Kenny doesn't finish until 12.20, which means we're going to start the next one at one twenty. At one twenty. And so that not before, while we understand what it means for really nervous competitors, they said, well, it said I was going to start at one o'clock. No, it means you're not going to start before one o'clock. So that communication and trying to get all those things figured out is a lot for everybody, the coaches, the parents, the kids, and us. My first year, I I think I'd at the coaches meet, I had mentioned if I had a nickel for every time I was asked, what time am I going to play and what court am I going to play on? Because the answer to both of those is always, we don't know. We don't know. And that's a tough answer to give people that are wanting to know. At the end of the day, the player wants to know three things. They want to know, first of all, who their opponent is. And that's pretty easy to figure out because they can look up on the bracket and see who won, who won the other side of the bracket they're feeding into. But once they determine that, the two things they want to know is, what time am I going to play and where am I going to play? Well, as far as what time you're going to play, that is a process that we can eventually determine. But that is determined, like you mentioned, Jen, after the last qualifying player from that bracket feeds into what court you're going to play on, we literally make that decision when the two players walk up to the desk. Both of them are there. We've called their names. They've identified they're ready to play. And that's when we determine what court to put them on because it's a first come, first serve based upon court availability. These individual singles and doubles tournaments are two day tournaments if we can do so. If the weather allows, if we can do so, it's a two day tournament. And the way we have it structured, at the end of the first day, everyone who's not going to medal is now done. Is done. So when you go to day two, you have eight competitors left, eight individuals or 16 doubles left. Everyone that day is going to get a medal. Now, you may know, based on where you're in in the bracket, what's the highest medal you could possibly get, because there's half of them can get no higher than fifth, and half of them can get no lower than fourth. But they come into the second day, there's way fewer people, and there's kind of a little bit different feel on the second Mm -hmm. day. Kenny, would you talk with us a little bit about, let's talk about those state champions in individual singles and doubles. Who took the top medals in those areas? Okay, so let's start out. Let's just go from from small class to the large class. So our class one single state champ was Daniel Radke from Whitfield, and he also won it last year, and he's a very, very good player. And then he beat Cole Horton from Savannah, and it was a great championship match. There were a lot of people watching it. It had a lot of emotion to it, but Daniel was able to come through that one. And then our Class 1 doubles state champ was a doubles team out of Clayton High School, and they beat also a doubles team out of Savannah High School. So Savannah actually had a runner-up in the doubles and a runner-up in the singles. Whitfield and Clayton's singles and doubles won the state championship. In Class 2, our single state champ was Max Chin from Ledoux, Ledoux Horton Watkins, and then our runner-up was Ethan Fauché from Halais Catholic. Another good match. Ledoux has had strong representation there for several years. Ethan Fauché has has really been advancing through the years. He's been kind of working his way up. He got to the championship match this year, which I know he is very proud of. Our Class Two doubles state championship team was, again, from Ledoux, Nathan Chan and Amit Kadan. They beat a doubles team from MICDS. And then in the big class, our state champ was from John Burroughs, single state champ, Sean Patel, who, by the way, is a freshman. 
That is not uncommon. These young tennis players, they get so much training when they're young that it's not uncommon at all for a freshman to come in and win a state championship. Sean had beat a young man, Edward Yu from Marquette, who finished runner-up. And then our Class Three doubles state championship team was from Priory. Preston Octor and John Varley. Preston has been a player that has been on the scene for a couple of years. If I'm not mistaken, maybe he finished in second place last year in the single side. They beat the uh, doubles team from Pembroke Hill, Trey Lambright and uh, Topher Thornberry. Okay. Jason, any tidbits on the individual singles and doubles championships? We spoke about Daniel Radke at Whitfield. He is the only tennis champion Whitfield has ever had. <laughs> really? Back to back. Last year was the first champion they had had in tennis and so he can hold that title at least for a little bit longer on the double side with the team from clayton that was their fifth time to win that but it was the first time since 2012 that they had had a a champion class two ladue sweeping both singles and doubles that was the first time that they had won the singles title since 1988 and the first time in doubles in over 20 years so they're um, on the individual side making a, a comeback there. One of the more interesting notes in Class 3, Preston Archer, who was on the doubles team that won this year, also won the singles title the last two years. Oh, I didn't realize he so had won he, the title. He yeah. has three titles, and his freshman year was the COVID year. So wow. not too bad for three years, three titles. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah especially in the sport of tennis. Okay, so big storylines were obviously the the champions that came out of this year. The great weather, which I'm going to spoiler alert, we're probably going to talk about that in every one of our spring <laughs> uh, our spring recaps because we were extremely fortunate this year with with weather in our championships really all season long. Very few weather related delays in our spring sports in the state of Missouri which is not always the case. So great weather, great competitors. We have a new administrator learning or retiring administrator. And and I will say from my day being there, getting lots of well-deserved love and props from the Missouri high school tennis community. So those were the big things for me, mainly listening, experiencing just a little bit. Kind of final thoughts from anyway. So you were talking earlier about the days and how they go on the weather and the courts. So we have 16 outdoor courts and eight indoor courts. We put out, if the weather is good, we're able to put out 24 courts to start the day. We play 80 tennis matches the first day. So kind of put, put that in your mind. And, and then, and now let's add rain into the situation to where we lose two thirds, 16 of the available courts. So we're now down to eight indoor courts. Let's say it rains all day, which is not uncommon. It's happened before. We're playing 80 tennis matches in that day. Those get to be long days. Probably longer for us than the players because the players are playing either two or three matches. And then when we get to the second day, we're playing 72 matches. And I know that sounds like that day may be a little bit shorter, but the reality is we are wrapping up class two and three's medal rounds and their award ceremonies while we're starting to send out the initial matches for class one. So that day, even though it's eight matches less for the day, it is a significantly longer day because of the process and, and all the things that are involved with that day. And then we come to the third day. That's when James can walk in Saturday morning, take a deep breath and go, ah, everything's going to be okay. Because when we get down to that last day, it's class one. We're playing 16 matches that day. It's a wonderful day, and we usually end up a little bit quicker. So it is a great experience. It's been an honor and a joy for me for seven years to watch the girls and the boys compete for the state championships, both on the team side and the individual side. 
anyone out there listening, if you ever get a chance, slide by Cooper Complex. And if you just want to watch two or three hours, these tennis players are incredible. They literally will drop your jaw when you watch them play at this young of an age, how efficient and how good they are. (laughs) James says, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Okay. I I would just say that what was, I think, a pleasure for me was it wasn't just the coaches and the players. I mean, this is just kudos to Kenny and me thinking about just the the atmosphere that I would like to create. But it was also the parents that have been there over the last few years. Just so many came up to the table. Well wishes. It was two weeks of good feelings, which is a great way to start. So it feels pretty good. Well, this is a great way to start. Tennis being the first one that we're recording, at least, for our spring championship. So I want to thank each of you for being with us. And you have been listening to the Misha All Access podcast. This is Dr. Jennifer Ruckstead, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you for listening to the Misha All Access podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association.